In the name of the loving, life-giving, and liberating God, who is Blessed Trinity. Amen. Please be seated. Our passages from Genesis and from Mark are telling us something about fear today and what it means to not let fear separate us from God. And it might be easier to see it first in Genesis. There we hear the end of what has typically been labeled the fall when Adam and Eve hide from God in the cool of the evening. God has placed them in a garden of abundance with plenty to satisfy their every need. But because they were not completely free, they were not completely satisfied. They chose freedom over the love of God. And now they see that failing to choose love has borne fear in their lives. They know they have marred the trust that they shared together, and that causes them to be afraid. In a true picture of intimacy, we see God walking in the garden in the cool of the evening, coming to meet God's creation face to face. And yet, they are nowhere to be found. God must ask, where are you? And here we see the price of breaking trust, of choosing absolute freedom. The price is vulnerability and fear. Fear which first causes them to hide and then causes them to blame. We want most of all not to, be, not to have to face the consequences of our choices. We want freedom without responsibility, but the two are intertwined. We don't want to see what damage is caused when freedom is prized over love, and we want not to lend a hand in repairing the breach. For our sake, God is merciful. God clothes their vulnerability to make it less painful. But God does not relieve us of the consequences of our actions. That is still how it is today. We are forgiven. God is always merciful. But our actions still affect others and ourselves. Our freedoms will always be restricted by love. Yet, if we see that, even today, we are still in a garden surrounded by so many fruitful trees, why should we miss the freedom of any one particular tree? This, I think, is what the Bible means by self-control. The ability to choose love of God or love of another over our own desires. But loving another, loving God or another person, necessarily brings vulnerability. The truth is that Adam and Eve were just as vulnerable with God before the fruit was eaten as after. What had changed was the knowledge that they had chosen their own desires over God, when there was no good reason to have done so. And it was then that their vulnerability became excruciating. Fear causes us to act in the most extraordinary ways. Fear is what separates us from God and from each other, and it's what keeps us from fully living into the kingdom of God. The problem now is that we're all too aware of our vulnerability 
And we're used to wrapping ourselves in the shield of fear to protect ourselves and those we love. It becomes second nature to us. We want to preserve our lives. And we can see this at work in our gospel today. There we see that there are two ways that groups of people are living into the fear in this gospel. Our reading is near the beginning of Jesus' ministry in Mark, coming right after Mark reports that the 12 disciples had all been gathered. But Jesus has been hard at work. He has healed many individuals who were sick, most of whom were healed on the Sabbath. He has gathered large crowds and taught and healed them. He's been questioned by certain scribes and given his responses. Now Jesus is again encircled by a crowd. His family and the scribes have started to worry. And in this passage, their fears give way to action. First, his family was fearful, perhaps for Jesus' safety. The passage isn't explicit, but it says that they've been told he was beside himself or out of his right mind. They may have been going to collect him to save face, to hide away their embarrassing child to prevent further damage, but it's just as possible that they thought he was beginning to attract the wrong attention, and they were afraid for his safety. And they weren't wrong. Jesus' teaching and actions led to crucifixion. Their fears were justified. But more than that, his family's fear was plausibly born out of love, wanting to protect their vulnerable son. It's an instinct we can surely understand and which we can easily empathize with. But the fear is misplaced in this case. If you want to save your life, you will lose it. In this case, Jesus was an adult, making a decision to allow himself to be vulnerable, to love abundantly when his actions would not agree with the power structures in place, to go in and tie up Satan and plunder the house, despite what the consequences might be to him. Because just as there are consequences to living in fear and rebellion, there are also consequences to living a life of love. There are dangers to the self when we live a life of love in a world that tells us to look out only for ourselves. Jesus knew those dangers and chose to live in love in spite of them. His parents loved them, loved him, but at that moment, they could not see that Jesus was following God. And so they tried to stop him. On the other side of the coin, we have a group of scribes acting out their fear of who Jesus might be, be by blaming him and wrongly naming the spirit by which Jesus worked. Mark takes this incident with the scribes and places it in the middle of the story about Jesus and his family. This is called colloquially a Markin sandwich. And we'll see this format often in Mark, where he begins one story, tells another story, and then finishes the first story. When Mark does this, he is deliberately telling us that the two stories are interrelated and is asking us to consider them together. So we have this group of scribes who assert in their fear that Jesus is only able to heal and cast out demons 
because he is in league with the demonic forces, essentially that he is casting them out in the name of Satan rather than in the name of God. And just like Jesus' family, we don't know exactly what the scribes' fear was. It might have had something to do with them feeling threatened in their positions as religious leaders, or it might have been a practical fear of Rome. Jesus was gaining a sizable following, and charismatic leaders had brought the Jews into bloody conflict with Rome more than once. They would have wanted to avoid that. They try to pass blame to nullify whatever threat they have perceived. This is an action based in fear and a desire to either protect themselves or to protect their people. And here's the problem, because again, it's easy to see how their fear might be reasonable. It's easy to see how a good person might act like one of the scribes in their own fear, especially if the fear is motivated by a desire to protect the Jews as a whole. But if you lose your life, you will save it. Jesus rebukes both the scribes and his family. They are trying to protect their vulnerabilities by hiding Jesus away or passing the blame to him, just as Adam and Eve did. What we did not hear explicitly in this gospel, but what we should hear as we read it, is God walking among us and asking, where are you? Jesus' claim at the end of the passage that anyone who does the will of God is my mother and brother and sister is not meant as a slight to his own family. It's an invitation into the family of God, into community with each other. Jesus is telling us that following the will of God means we are entering this family where our vulnerabilities will be laid bare God's desire is for wholeness, and in that wholeness, we will return to a vulnerability which is not frightening, but natural, because it is built on trust based in love. That is a hard place to live. It can be painful to be vulnerable. Fear is so much a part of our lives, but perfect love casts out fear. There is no fear where love and trust are honored. And we know that love and trust will always be honored with God. God above all is merciful. And no matter how many times we break trust, as long as we continue to answer when God calls out, where are you? We will always be forgiven. That doesn't mean that there won't be consequences. But God will always choose us. The only danger is in a continuing choice not to choose God. After Adam and Eve reveal themselves, they still made the mistake of blaming each other. But they answered God's call. They chose to continue their relationship with God, even though they knew that they had done wrong. God knows that we will stumble. All we need to do is commit to getting back up every time God reaches out a hand. And then as time goes on, maybe we will find it easier to trust in the love of God than to stumble in our fear. 
And maybe our fear will fade away as we lean into the vast love of God. Amen.